fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dolph Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Tracy, we are so excited for our upcoming live event in Indianapolis with Tragedy of Cinema and Middle Aged and Creeped Out. Yes, we're looking forward to seeing all of you. I'm Todd. I'm Nate. And I'm Sean. And we are Middle Aged and Creeped Out. We are looking forward to sharing some creepy stories with all of our hometown listeners. I'm Jimbo with the Tragedy of Cinema. And I'm Kyle, also with Tragedy of Cinema. Indy is also our hometown, and we have the perfect horror movie to break down for you guys. Come out and see us on Saturday, July 16th at the VFW on South Lockburn and help veterans at the same time. All three shows are clean, so this is a family-friendly event. Tickets are just $20. Seating is limited, so get your tickets now at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Hey guys, welcome to episode 306 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, I want to start off by saying real quick that there were a couple of episodes the previous Fridays, for whatever reason, were posted on Patreon, but uh, I posted them on our our new server, but it didn't show up. So those episodes of the uh, classics that we do on Fridays, mm-hmm. uh, one's coming out tomorrow and the other one's coming out on Tuesday. So if you didn't get it, um, which you probably noticed that it didn't show up for some reason, I didn't notice it until today, but uh, they're both coming out. So you didn't miss out on anything for too long. You'll get them both Monday and Tuesday. Sounds good. Crap happens, you know. It does. And when you're in a, a new uh, tech, technological situation sometimes you screw up and that's probably what happened <laughs> probably so all right obviously we want to thank all of our military and civil servants from all of our allied countries no matter which country you do represent thank you for everything that you do yes thank you guys so much for having our backs and we continue prayers for you every single day we love you and thank you for protecting us and trust me when i when i say if you see somebody out that is a veteran and you know they're a veteran Thank them for their service. It means more to them than you realize. It sure does, honey. Tracy, there's uh, another crazy week, all kinds of mass shootings and stuff like that going around. You can't watch the news without it really putting you in a uh, state of despair. And I just, um, I feel bad for everybody that's involved in these. And, And just also, not to the same level, but for the regular people that just see something bad happening every single day, yeah. it takes a toll on you mentally. It does. It's it's heart-wrenching. And it, I mean, it's got to the point where, I know that sounds silly, but I would literally lay in bed and think about, if that ever happened, how would I try to take a shooter down? You know what I'm saying? I right. mean, I literally laid in bed and thought about how to do that if that ever happened. And it just... It just weighs on your heart, and it's just it pisses you off, and you know you just can never understand it. But unfortunately, it does happen. Hopefully, this crap will settle down for a while, so we don't have to see any more of this stuff. Yeah, because unfortunately, I think there's a lot of copycat type stuff 
too. Yeah, because, and that always seems to happen that way, or it may, maybe it does happen all the time. We just don't hear about it. Man, as much. I mean, like there was two or three over the weekend again, different places, not to the magnitude, obviously, mm-hmm. of, of what we had in Buffalo and and uh, in Texas. But it's just you know, it's like you said, every it seems like every day or every other day there's some type of a mass shooting. shooting yeah, trying I mean, it's to go ridiculous. On. It's ridiculous. All right. Well. Oh well. Obviously, if you need to talk to somebody, and we've had a couple people write us this week for various things. and Hell, I need to talk to somebody. Yeah, no kidding. Um, just don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but we've had some people reach out to us, and, and we do take that serious. And no, absolutely. And we do take our time to talk to anybody who wants to talk to us. Mm-hmm. No matter what we've got going on, we'll put it on hold. I was talking to somebody last night. We were at a concert, or a night before last, we were at a concert, and I was talking to somebody mm-hmm. while we were in the middle of listening to ACDC. So... You know, it's nothing is more important than someone needing to talk. Nothing. True. Very true. Always there. And of course, we've got the group. Mm-hmm. If uh, you would rather talk to somebody in the group, I mean, I've seen a couple of people posting in there in the last couple of days about their struggles. And of course, they've got people jumping right to the rescue to try to help them any way yeah, they possibly can. So great. And, I'm so uh, happy to see that, you guys. Thank you so much for things that you do for us and for them in that group. Um, if you would rather talk to the hotline number, you can call 1-800-273-8255. You can also text them at 741-741. We're here, guys. Just reach out and talk. But if that's all you want to do is just talk, we're here to listen. Tracy, tonight's episode, we've got eight-year Navy veteran and Screen Guild actor Anoop Simon on. whoop Anoop is a huge fan of this show. He's been a member of the group for years. I know. That's just so amazing. And he's in a new movie called The Prey. It's got Danny Trejo and a bunch of other stars. And we'll get into that when we when we talk about the interviews. But he also did a tour in Iraq. And we had a great discussion about that. And that led to uh, him mentioning an incident that took place or... Maybe it didn't take place. I guess that's what part of the discussion is. Right. That possibly took place in Afghanistan in 2002. And uh, it's the kind of stuff that legends are made of. So I thought we would actually do that story. Oh, that sounds that wonderful. That we talk later on about. And uh, we'll kind of let you guys decide what happened on that particular day. Since it kind of goes hand in hand with our conversation. Sounds good. All right. So here we go. This incident took place at the height of Operation Enduring Freedom. That's obviously when the United States had invaded Afghanistan. U.S. military was engaged in in a fierce battle with the Taliban on this day in their capital in the Kandahar province. Now, of course, this was during, like I said, the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan. And on this particular day, the killing by the Special Forces Green Berets would send shockwaves throughout the military ranks. That's because this was not a human who was killed. It was a creature of some sort. It was said to be 13 feet tall, with bright red hair, six fingers on each hand and foot, and not one, but two sets of teeth. Two sets of teeth. Wow. He sounds pretty dang scary. From this point on, the creature would be known as the Kandahar Giant. What has been said is that one of the soldiers 
was killed by the giant with a spear right before it was taken down by American forces. This was accomplished by the rest of the soldiers using 30 seconds of sustained gunfire. We're oh, gonna, that is gonna, a long yeah, time. We're going to get into a lot more detail on this further. I'm just laying it out for you as to what the basics of it So is. you're saying the giant killed the guy with the spear? Yes. Where the heck did he get a spear? I mean, they've got capabilities of making stuff. The big huge giant? Yes. Just because they're giant don't mean that they don't know how to make stuff. Uh, well, I mean, he's got two sets of teeth. He needs to worry about flossing more. He's well, got maybe, a long time to floss. Maybe that spirit was a toothpick. <gasps> you know, I bet it was. Look how smart you are. So after they killed this giant, the crew radioed in what had happened, obviously. The army supposedly then took away the corpse, and it hasn't been seen since. So that's the basics of it. Like I said, we're going to get into a lot more detail. How did we get to this point is the question. In 2002, a group of soldiers went missing while they were on patrol in a remote mountainous region of Kandahar. That's in the south of Afghanistan. I know people were sitting there thinking, why exactly is Kandahar in Afghanistan? It's Mm -hmm. in the south. Okay. They really don't play any role in the story at all, but people are just curious. But that's good to know. When the soldiers didn't make radio contact for a long period of time, the Green Beret Special Ops were sent to investigate. Now, I will say that most of the story says that it was the Green Berets, but there are some other sources that say that it was a a different branch of the Armed Forces uh, Special Ops, but it was never confirmed. But I'm going to go with the Green Berets because that's what I saw most often. Okay. The Special Ops get way up in the mountains, And they come across a cave. Now, at this cave, they find all kinds of uh, equipment belonging to soldiers. But there were no sign of the soldiers themselves. So this is where the details kind of become sketchy. By all accounts, the creature rushed out of the cave. Some say it was as tall as 15 feet tall. Some say that it was barefoot, while others say that it had leather moccasins on its feet. But some people had already said it had six toes, which you couldn't be able to tell that if it had moccasins on. Yeah, that's very true. Well, I'm sure you didn't wear them all the dang time. But by all accounts, it smelled like a rotting corpse. <laughs> so the smell hit. Oh my gosh. So it emerges from the cave. It throws a spear almost immediately and kills the soldier. That's when they opened fire. This squad was armed with fully automatic M4 carbines, recon carbines, which are semi-automatic, M107 Barrett anti-material rifles. So they were loaded, to say the least. This much firepower unloaded on one target for just one second would be extremely destructive, let alone 30 seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. So now this creature is dead, right? Yeah. They loaded on a Chinook helicopter. Okay. How did they get it on a helicopter if he was so big? I mean, didn't you see King Kong? They did King Kong on a helicopter. Oh. The copter carried it to a transport plane, and the story goes that it was never seen again. All of the soldiers 
were then forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement so the government could keep them all quiet. Hmm. So how do we know about what happened if they all had to sign a non-disclosure form? Well, eventually, some of the soldiers broke their silence. One of them would later say that the people have a right to know the truth. The big question is, can this story actually be true? In 2016, Snopes, we all know Snopes, they're always trying to prove everything wrong. Correct. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. They tried to find out. So they reached out to the Department of Defense about the Kandahar giant. The response they got said that the Department of Defense had no record or information about a Special Forces member killed by a giant in Kandahar. There are also no press releases on the Department of Defense's website, which, you know, obviously if there was a Special Force Troop disappearance in Afghanistan, it would probably um, make some kind of a press release. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, surely they got to have record of that person being killed. Right. And we're going to talk more about that person and, and some deeper looking into that person. But even if it did happen, you really wouldn't expect them to put it on their website as their sworn soldiers to secrecy, mm-hmm. would you? So, no, yeah. So, and that's where the conspiracies come in. You've got people that say, well, it happened. And then people say, well, but there's no proof of it. Yes. Then, but then they're like, oh, they made a sign non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be any proof of it. They're trying to cover it up. It's like Roswell. You know, it's the, it goes back and forth. Did it really happen or didn't it happen? Right. And it just depends on who you talk to. So obviously with Snopes looking into it and getting a, pretty much a it never happened, the case was solved. Not quite. As a matter of fact, flat up wrong. Snopes debunking had the opposite effect on people who believed. Cryptids, especially cryptid people, they were like, oh, it's obvious it's a cover-up. That's what's going on. It's a cover-up. Many claim that it's the government trying to hide the truth from the public. Is it possible that this story could actually have a biblical tie-in? What? Well, around the same time that Snopes was actually debunking the incident, supernaturalist L.A. Marzulli, he told several right-wing websites that the U.S. government was covering up this spectacular story and that those in power had a vested interest in keeping the truth of biblical prophecies from being exposed to the general public. He went on to say that people have the right to know about this kind of stuff, and if there are 15 or 18-foot giants roaming the earth and our military has brought them down, we have a right as American citizens to know about it. I mean, this isn't classified military stuff, This is something we need to know about, and it points back to the biblical prophecies narrative. How do you feel about that? Do you want to know? I mean, I'd like to know. I mean, if there's giants around, and we're, because, I mean, you're told certain things don't exist, like dragons and giants and uh, unicorns, and then there's a proof of it around, I'd like to know about it, no matter what the situation is. Yeah, I reckon. Sometimes I think things are better off not knowing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I wouldn't like to know about unicorns, though. That'd be cool. Well, you can just take a horse and stick a ice cream cone on it. <laughs> That's true. L.A. Marzulli has a YouTube channel 
that is pretty much dedicated to tying uh, current events to biblical prophecies. That's what he does. On this channel, a video that is now deleted, so you can't go watch it, he actually interviewed a man known as Mr. K. Mr. K said that he was a member of the special forces that actually killed the giant. He saw the creature carrying a spear and kill a soldier named Dan before they took it down. The video garnered a lot of attention. So what biblical prophecies is he referring to? According to L.A. Marzulli, that creature was a Nephilim. A Nephilim. You've probably heard that on Supernatural. Uh, Supernatural. The Nephilim were a group of people that were mentioned in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it was in Genesis and the book of Numbers. They were people of great size and strength. That's how they were referred to in the Bible. Mm -hmm. They were people of great size and strength. They could be found in the Middle East before and after the flood of Noah's Ark. So if you take the Bible literally, it says these giants were in the Middle East, right where Afghanistan is, and that would be, you know, kind of makes sense that if they saw one there, yeah, well, kind of said that's where they were even after the flood. So they weren't killed by the flood if you believe in the whole Noah's Ark um, theory. Most biblical scholars, though, seem to think that the Nephilim weren't actual giants, but were more metaphors. You know, it was just bigger, stronger people, and they were, mm -hmm. when they say giant, they didn't... It's per se mean Yeah, it, they meant, mean meant per se mean they were giants. The giants, they just meant yeah. that they were mm -hmm. bigger and stronger people. Further research shows that the only Dan who died in Kandahar around the time of the supposed incident was Sergeant First Class Daniel A. Romero. He was killed alongside three other soldiers in a bomb blast. But even though the evidence leans completely against the story, the story is said still to be an open secret among soldiers who served in Kandahar in 2002. Several veterans who actually served in the region said that from that point on, after the supposed Kandahar giant killing, they were instructed to aim their weapons high by aiming for the head and then, quote, and then a little bit higher, quote. So I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know what that means either. But, because you would think you would miss it if you were shooting it higher than that. Well, yeah, you would miss the whole big head there. But anyway, that's the, that's the basic story of the Kandahar giant. So I've got some other opinions and stuff from other soldiers in the uh -huh. area to kind of get their thought. But before I do... What are your thoughts? Do you think this could have possibly happened, or do you think it's a big legend? I mean, I I believe a lot of what the Bible says, so I could I would think it would happen. I don't know how they survived the flood, unless they're just so tall that they could keep their head above water. Well, that and and supposedly they live in the mountains of Afghanistan. Yeah, and I think is Mount Ararat. Where the people say Noah's Ark is supposedly at, I think that might be Afghanistan. I know it's mm -hmm. Mount Ararat. I don't know where that's at, but that's somewhere there. And it just could be the fact that they were up in the mountains high enough where the water didn't get. Yeah. If that was the case, I, I personally kind of sounds like some inbred crap. Two so. sets of teeth and six toes, something ain't adding up. <laughs> 
So let's say that they did exist. Mm-hmm. Do you think this situation existed? Not whether the giants exist or the possibility exists. Do you think this happened where this giant came out and attacked and they shot and killed him and it was taken away by the government and was never seen again? Or do you think that's just a BS story? Honestly, nothing surprises me. I guess I could believe it. Why not? Well, here's a few other I'm stories. I'm not mad because he's 13 feet tall. I ain't jealous. <laughs> here's some other stories. A.B. Hash. He said that my dad is from Afghanistan. I asked him about this. He said that there was an abnormally large man that lived in a solitary lifestyle with his goats in the mountain of Kandahar. The people in the neighboring villages knew about him, but left him alone. In 2002, he was killed by American soldiers. My father also said that there were pieces of ancient craft that were in those mountains, which was taken by the U.S. military. Maybe this technology was created by the Aryans or older, or possibly it was otherworldly. So, Tracy, is it possible that this quote-unquote giant that was killed was maybe a man that was seven, seven and a half, eight foot tall, which is not unusual. Not to see. unusual. Mm-mm. We see it all the time in, in pro sports. Is it possible this guy was scared? He was living up there. He's seven, eight foot tall, big guy, and he feels threatened, and he comes out and kills somebody, and... The story has embellished over the years that he was 12, 13 feet tall. I mean, I could see that. that. That could be embellished and stuff like that. But I could also see, you know, why he would be scared. You know, you'd think somebody of that tall stature wouldn't be scared of anything, really. But Well, I mean, if you got the military there. Well, with... That's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, that's pretty scary no matter what you are. So, I don't know. Another story I came... almost feel sorry for him. <laughs> Another story came from a gentleman by the name of... Dungeon Design, obviously that's not his real name, but he said that he had quite a few stories, crazy stories, from when he was in Afghanistan. Those stories have cost him many hours of sleep when he was there and kept him up for many hours in the years after he left. All of these stories came from people he trusted completely. If there is one place in the world that could be considered a safe haven for giants and monsters, it definitely is Afghanistan. This is according to him. Those mountains are beautiful, massive, inhospitable, and unsettling. The hills really do have eyes in Afghanistan. Here's some examples of the stories that he said he had heard. He said special forces have run-ins with all types of unexplainable things while they were there. Ghost disappearances, bones found in caves, and so on. With that being said, he did say that the story has many doubts for him. Zero proof or media coverage of an entire lost platoon. He said that would have been all over the news and still talked about to this day. Yeah. He said he spent 12 years with Special Forces. He says it's a very small community and stories spread like wildfire in that world. Not once did he ever hear the story about a giant being killed. He's not saying that it didn't happen, but there are a lot of holes in the story. 
He ended up by saying that he had many strange experiences in Afghanistan, and it's an entirely different world. Sometimes he felt that the battles were the least of his worries with the amount of strange stuff that happened there. Oh my goodness, wow. Here's a, uh, another note real quick on Afghanistan. Ben Schwartz, he said that the ghosts are what got him while he was in Afghanistan. He could take the gunfight, but the paranormal he had a really hard time with. He said, that country has death on every inch of its soil, and I never believed in ghosts until I went there. That's understandable. It is. You know, you don't think about the things that they have to to face in real life and then add the paranormal on top of that. That's that's a lot to take in. Well, I mean, most people wouldn't even think about the paranormal being in it. You know, when you think about going to another war. Right. um, You know... There was somebody else I'd read. I didn't actually pull the whole story down because there wasn't a whole lot there. He said this wasn't the first instance about giants being talked about in the military. He said, and this is conspiracy theory stuff, Mm -hmm. that that was the main reason that the U.S. wanted to go to Vietnam is they wanted to eliminate giants in the world. And supposedly there were giants over in Vietnam, and that was one of the main reasons they went to Vietnam. No way. And he said it was discussed when they got back, when people that were involved in the giant deals came back home, they were told, you know, you can't speak of it. And the people who did mention anything about it, like on, you know, when they have the the reviews, mm-hmm. like before you're out. Yeah. They just say, hey, you know, this and that. What are, what are your thoughts? And then people that mentioned the Giants, they were punished and and basically told to shut your mouth and all that. So, I mean, I don't know how true that is, but that was the first I'd heard about that, but that was something there. Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking when you join the, you know, the army or whatever, that's not what you think your mission is, right. to go over and kill a bunch of Giants. I'm sure that didn't enter anybody's head. This is from a gentleman named Philip Flint. This is our our last one before we get into uh, our interview with Anoop. He said, My unit spent an entire deployment in the Afghanistan mountains. We were mountain infantry, and we worked exclusively with the only other unit within a 40-minute helicopter ride, ODA. These mountains are something else. I spent many nights on ridges pulling security in a fighting position in a patrol base for the night or simply on our OP. 50 meters from the rest of my unit. When it was that time of night, when the clouds rolled in, you couldn't see more than 10 feet in front of you. You would hear monkeys howling and the wild dogs that we took in where the monkeys would come up from a path, but you never knew it was them until they were right on top of you. My safety was almost never on once the clouds rolled in. It felt like it would simply take too long to push the button on my 249 to engage the enemy if it was ever them that was strolling up that particular goat path. I totally believe that the Nephilim may still roam this world, according to Genesis uh, chapter 6, verse 4. And if, in fact, they do, that's exactly where they could survive with almost zero human contact. Long story short, the Afghan mountains are home to a lot of things that go bump in the night, so to speak. That's deep. How interesting. I never knew 
that the you know, I mean we've done some stories obviously in Afghanistan mostly with the uh, uh, the observation tower where they keep seeing the little girl mm-hmm. by the cemetery that's the story that you hear most but I really didn't know that there were so many other people that had strong paranormal feelings from their time in the military over there yes yeah I don't know it's just, as it's, it's not something that would come to your brain that that's what their you know some of their encounters are right. Man, that's that's messed up. Well, let's take a quick sponsor break. We'll get back and and uh, do some housekeeping, and then we'll do our interview with the noob. Uh, I think you guys are going to be impressed. And we'll, he just went to the premiere of the movie a couple nights ago and sent us some red carpet pictures. Pretty cool. Very cool. All right, Tracy, we're getting there. Just a little more than a month away from the Indianapolis show. Yes. Ticket sales are picking up, yep. so you guys, thank you for that so much. Which it also means you need to hurry up and get your tickets because that place only holds 60 people. Yeah. And, It'll be uh, fun. It'll be good to see everybody. Yep. We're doing it at the uh, VFW Post, so you'll be able to help out some veterans because obviously we have to pay for rental for the hall. So your ticket money goes to pay for the hall. And, uh, of course, our, our buddies from Middle Aged and Creeped Out are going to be there. And also, Tragedy of Cinema. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a family-friendly event. So if uh, some of the uh, other podcasts that we have with us aren't exactly family-friendly, and you think, but think, man, I'd like to go to one of their shows, but mm-hmm. you know, the other some of the other podcasts aren't really my cup of tea because of language and whatever. This one will be right up your alley. That's true. I'll try not to curse. Yeah, if I can keep Tracy to not cursing, will everybody would be good. Yeah, my potty mouth comes out every now and then. Not very often. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, we'll be there uh, doing that, and we'll have uh, all of our food products. So if you're looking to get some of those at a lot cheaper price than what it is to be mailed to you, we'll have those there. Awesome. Can't wait. And then uh, right after that, everything's coming up right now. Right after that, the next month, we've got the birthday event. That we've got at the uh, old hospital on College Hill. Yeah, well, I'm excited about that one, too. With, with cereal spirits there. That one comes with a tour. Yes. And, and, of course, we'll have shirts and food products there. Right after that, what do we got, Tracy? Our birthday. I just said our birthday. Our cruise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she really don't know what's going on. No, I really on. do. No, we, so we, we got the cruise coming up then. And then in October, we got Bobby Mackey's. We're going to be at Scarefest. It's once it starts, it starts. I love it. No rest for the wicked. And then we got a bunch of concerts, and we're got a uh, we're going to the Rhodes Hotel for an investigation at the end of July. I mean, it's literally a bunch of stuff crammed in there. Yeah, it should be fun. All right, Tracy, what do you got going on over there? All right, this week in iTunes, we have you served Tim Mullins, Mojo Lobster. Nate8180 and Mama Lou04. Thank you guys for your awesome reviews. They are so nice. We love you guys so much. And our Patreons, we have Mary Hall, Robert Conkey, Ashley, and Frank Camino. Camino, I think. Thank you guys for your support. We appreciate everything y'all do for us, taking the time out to write a review. And everything like that means the world to us. And like we've said a hundred thousand times, we couldn't do it without you. So thank you guys so so much. Right. And if we butchered your name, Frank, send us the correct pronunciation. Yeah, we'll Frank, I tried. Way. All right, let's listen to Anoop. Okay.
Hey guys, I'm super excited to bring on our next guest because we don't get the opportunity to bring on uh, bona fide movie stars. And he'll get mad because I said movie stars. He'll probably say I'm overreacting and stuff, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Anoop Simon on. Anoop, thanks for coming on. Hey guys. Hey, Jerry and Tracy. It's so, I'm so honored to be here with you guys. Oh, so thank honored. you so much. We're honored. Yeah, you, you have actually been a fan of the podcast for so long and absolutely love it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, I get to be, I get to have a talk with you guys. That's great. <laughs> Wonderful. And, and, you know, you've been in a group a while. And so we appreciate that. No, you've been a, you've been a, a listener and uh, contributing to, to the Facebook pages and stuff for a long time. And we do definitely appreciate that. No, thank you. I love the group. I, I really love what you guys have created. And it's just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. We appreciate that. Now, the first thing I want to do before we go any further is I yes. want to thank you for your service. Absolutely. You spent absolutely. eight years in the United States Navy. You you did a, some, some time over in Iraq. And uh, we know that couldn't have been easy. And uh, we just want to say a big thank you from both of us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I was so honored and it's such a pleasure and I absolutely love our men and women in uniform and, and this country, you know? So, so yeah, it's, it was, it was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. So I want to, I want to talk about a couple of films you've been in, uh, one of which is being released about the time that this comes out and uh, right. I'm excited about that one. But we're going to talk about uh, another movie first, Camp X-Ray. It had Kristen Stewart in it. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that movie and a little bit about the role that you had in that one. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was that was such a wonderful project, too. Um, it was another independent film that had uh, the main was Kristen Stewart. She was attached to it. And and I really liked when it was pitched, you know, I really liked the story because it was about Guantanamo Bay. So, you know, Guantanamo Bay had a lot of bad press about, you know, holding terrorists and some of the, you know, the 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 interrogation skills, you know, they were using the tactics they were using out there. So I know in that at that time, Guantanamo Bay was a lot in the news, you know, um, and and the, the director of that wanted to tell that story. So it was very interesting. So I got actually, you know, casted as one of the, the Guantanamo Bay prisoners. I was a, a terrorist in it. Uh, no surprise there, right? I didn't have to do much you know, <laughs> to look, look the part. I used to have long hair and a bigger beard at that time just for Hollywood. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was very interesting. And the movie itself is actually beautiful because you know the, the they they portrayed these people as terrorists and you know yeah of course you know of me being in the service i knew there were a lot of terrorists but there was a lot of people who were thrown in as what i call the salem witch hunt you know neighbors telling on other people and just to get them out of their way you know and there was a lot of that stuff going on too so the story itself was beautiful with Kristen Stewart's part where she was a you know a guard a prison guard a military you know prison guard watching over her cell block and and I play one of the not too good terrorists you know mean and going crazy but um, but the main other main character he was he was amazing um, he you know, it kind of leaves you up in the air that 
wow, was, was this guy a terrorist or not? Because they form a friendship, a relationship behind the cell, you know, and that's what the movie was about. And I thought, I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, and me being locked up for the first time in a jail cell <laughs> was crazy, you know, in a solitary confinement there. <laughs> but I'll tell you a little movie secret, though. Here's the movie secret. Then I'll give you a little bit behind the scenes of that movie. So imagine me being in solitary confinement, as you can imagine, a heavy door, which was it was a real prison they shot in and they closed it. Right. They would close it and lock you up for the shooting. So you feel like you're isolated. And it did. It felt isolated. But the wall that you don't see where the camera shooting in through the door I had my own setup of food, so they had food for me and everything. So I had it a little bit comfortable, and I just had to pretend like I was in misery, you know. So that was that's true, but that's still got to be so scary. I mean, it was. I mean, even if I'm thinking, knowing it's a movie, and just the, the thought of it. So yes, and um, oh man, um, it's slipping my mind. The city it was right out of uh, Los Angeles. Maybe it was Whitney or. Whittier it was city of Whittier that has this huge I think it was a juvenile prison that is out of commission but they use it just for movies now you know I think they do tours but it was a real jail cell so it was crazy for me Tracy because most of the time when I was in there I was seeing real people's etchings on the walls you know they've etched stuff and people who've been in there so I was reading that and now here's another thing for our folks you know our hillbilly family uh, they said that prison was haunted. You know, it's a haunted prison. Nice. So our shoots would go late at night. No electricity. We just have our own. So it was a little bit creepy. You know, I personally didn't have any experience. I wish I did because I think I'm one of the few people who is like into the whole paranormal stuff. And I was like, oh, anytime now, something's going to happen. But there was a lot of stories. The cast and crew at that time were like, yeah, there's there's some weird stuff that happens there. But wow. I shot there for about a week uh, and I didn't have anything happen. But <laughs> I want to bring mention to something because it's going to come into play when we yes. talk about the next movie and the question that I have for you. But you had mentioned earlier when talking about this movie that, you know, you fit the type with the beard and all that for what, right. what people may not realize, uh, because they're probably not seeing you during most of it, but they're just listening on audio is right. your family moved to the United States from Pakistan when That's you right. were very young. Uh, so you don't have much of an accent now after years, of, I guess, living here, right. but you do. It's, I, it's I can obvious. switch it on for movies. <laughs> I'm sure you can. But it's but but it's obvious by looking at you that you obviously have a, a Middle Eastern look. So that's what you were talking about when you said you kind of yes, you know sir. no big yes, surprise oh, yeah, there. That's right. I forgot for audio they wouldn't be able to you know they're not seeing this. <laughs> <so you're right. laughs> yeah. No. So my parents uh, are Pakistani. After they got married, you know, they moved to the Middle East, uh, to the country of uh, Qatar, uh, which is funny because that's one of our allies. It'll come into play for my service later, but it's one of the American allies in the Middle East now. But I was born there. You know, once they married, my dad got a great job. So, you know, he immigrated to that country, moved out. um, And desert storm happened and here i was nine years old you know so the oil wells are burning i remember all that as a kid it's a very safe country beautiful small little very rich very modernized country but being in close proximity to kuwait and iraq 
uh the oil wells man i remember there's ash falling we would have first time city you know countrywide blackouts which we i never experienced in my life it wasn't a war torn country as people would think it's a very civilized modern country but that's the first time i'm bringing this up because as a eight nine year old i remember the first time the american troops came to the country because we were hosting them obviously the country was and I remember going to the mall, uh, our local you know, mall or supermarket with my family and seeing the American soldiers in regular clothes. They weren't in uniform, you know, out and about shopping. And me as a little kid, as an eight, nine year old, looked up for the first time, foreigners, right? So here, here's some Americans. We knew the Americans are in town, you know, protecting us. And man, I am not kidding you. To me, everybody looked like superheroes. Everybody looked like these big, you know, superheroes protecting. So that image has always been burnt in my head. So fast forward. Okay, so because of uh, Desert Storm, my parents moved from, you know, uh, Qatar to America. Um, we also had some religious stuff because we we're a minority. We were Pakistani Christians. And there was some of that political stuff, you know, religion wise. So we moved to America to be safe. That's what my parents, you know, thought would be best because all of a sudden there's the threat of, uh, at that time, Saddam Hussein using chemical weapons and stuff. And we were in the range of the missiles, you know, just in case. So that's the reason why we moved. But fast forward, me joining the military, my biggest thing was, you know, I was a hospital corpsman. So I did medical in the Navy. That's what I got trained for, which I'm so proud of. But I've always had that image stuck in my head of, you know, how these protectors came and protected us, right? And not knowing, I didn't volunteer to go to Iraq, but eventually, um, you know, I was a hospital corpsman. In layman's terms, I was a combat medic. They trained me for that. And I ended up in Iraq with the Marines. And, and it's funny because the people I was with, my group, obviously, they're kids from all over, you know, the United States, we got sent out there. That experience, I was able to share with everybody who didn't understand, you know, me being a kid who lived in, the, in that country, eventually, right, going for this war, uh, for Operation Iraqi Freedom, same guy, Saddam Hussein, who I left for when I was a little kid coming back, you know, on this new mission. I thought it was, you know, my family was so proud, but that's one thing I instilled in all the uh, service members that, hey, kids, man, I was one of those kids. I looked up to us, you know, us now in uniform and weapons and all that stuff. So it has a lasting impression. And I think because of that, it changed a lot of minds of the service members who were with me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I thought that was pretty awesome. And in general, you know, everybody's, you know, yeah, we, you know, we're there humanitarian wise too, taking care of people. You know, that's one thing I'm so proud of that we're out there taking care of and protecting people. So, so in a full circle to end it, you know, in a full, full circle, I was able to fulfill that part and never thought I would do that. You know, that's awesome. We're very proud of you for doing that as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So, so let's, let's springboard off of that. Yes. To talk about the movie that you've got coming out about, the, like I said, about the time uh, that, that people hear this. 
That's right. It's called The Prey. It's got a longer name, obviously, but I didn't, couldn't pronounce yeah. it, so I left that off. But, <laughs> <That's> like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's right. called The Prey. It's got Danny Trejo, Adrian Paul, and a host of other people. It yes. looks tremendous. I mean, and the whole premise of it, obviously, is U.S. soldiers are over in uh, Afghanistan. Yes. They get amb- ambushed by the Taliban. They get trapped yes, in a sir. cave, and there's this creature in the cave. And from yes. what I saw, I'll tell you what it made me think of immediately. Yes. The old creep show episode with uh-huh. uh, Adrian Barbeau, where they had that little creature in the crate that, oh, that yeah. he had brought back. And that's what, that's what it reminded me of. My mind just went to there, because that's one of my favorite oh, wow, uh, little snippets of that. But, <laughs> yes. but, but I saw the teeth and stuff. But there's a creature over there. That's yes. basically running rapid. So it's it's in the cave system where these soldiers and yes. uh, members mm-hmm. of the Taliban are. And uh, I'll let I'll let you tell what your part is in this movie because that's going to bring up my question. Yes. So in, in this part, um, I'm actually playing one of the Taliban uh, soldiers, I guess, and we're running a drug lab in the cave system you know so this part of the cave we have our own drug uh drug lab and it seems like it's me and um i don't think it comes across in the movie but i'm actually the son-in-law of another great actor who's playing next to me his name is fahim fazli who's Mm -hmm. afghanistani and he's done some amazing work and and i was paired up so we were co-stars you know i got to work with him so i'm playing this aloof you know, kind of a carefree son-in-law and he's the father figure and I'm just, you know, being whatever, uh, as, as you can see in the sneak peek, you know, I'm trying to light up a cigarette and, you know, with chemicals everywhere, you know, with fire and I get yelled at for that, <laughs> for not paying attention to that. So that's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> you know? um, and, and sure enough, you know, we have the encounter with the creature. Now, I don't know, if this scene truly, it was planned on as being the opening scene of the movie to set it up, but I'm not sure exactly where it falls in, but that's, yeah, that's what was going on with that, where I had an encounter with this beast. (laughs) So we'll talk more about the movie in a little bit, but here's my question for you. This is the first thing I thought of when I saw your two roles in the two movies we just spoke about. Yes. Is it weird for you? I know it's just acting. Is it weird for you to be a terrorist in one movie from the Middle East right. and to be a member of the Taliban from Afghanistan right. in the in this other movie when your background is fighting against those kind of people in, yes. in the U.S. military. Yes. And you know what? I get that question asked a lot. And it's it's amazing because, you know, people are like, man, so you're getting typecasted for that or, you know, that's your thing. For me to answer that real fast, it's like, hey, any job's a job. So I'm happy with that. You know, I'm like, hey, I fit that part. I look scary. Another comment I get, they're like, man, you're like the nicest guy. But then when you see you in these parts, you're like scary, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing for me as an actor. There's a challenge and it's it's a fun challenge for me to switch the role from my real life and pretend mm-hmm. to be, you know, somebody else. And, and in this situation... You know, they always say like villains are always fun to play, you know, those bad guy roles and stuff because they have more of freedom, you know, than what the good guys do. So in a way, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was very, very like I took that as a big challenge, you know, um, 
to play that. And I think I'm able to just, and, and for me, I think it's more, not just the terrace, but it's the cultural part of it that plays in where it becomes authentic, you know, mm-hmm. that I can play that and they love it, you know, but, but here's the thing, like for Hollywood, they all know I'm a veteran and that like helps a lot because all of a sudden, not only am I playing something, but I do know the mannerisms, uh, you know, of using weapons or doing that and doing this. So it's, it's, it's very interesting that, that dichotomy, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I do, I don't, I don't mind it, you know? Um, but there was, there was another show, like I had a little part in, uh, uh, it was workaholics at some comedy central. I was going to ask one, you about that. <laughs> yeah. For that one, all of a sudden my looks got me a part of, uh, I'm like a Latin drug deal or something. They kind of leave it off, but I'm all of a sudden I'm Hispanic in that one. You know? <laughs> so I think it's amazing. Ways. Heck yeah. yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it works it's out so, both ways, you know? Right. It's so good that you can you know, just go to the next, you know, go to the next thing that you have to do. It just shows what a good actor you are. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and it's fun to me because obviously yeah, I think it'd be fun. I'm not those people in real life, but those characters, you know, like actors say, it becomes fun, you know, and yeah. that's when you get attached to it. You hear about the part and you're like, oh man, that would be fun to play. You know, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that one, that was one of my earlier uh, pieces of work for Workaholic. And it was so strong acting wise because I wasn't speaking. My part was where I didn't know English, maybe they left it at that. And it's a comedy show, but I had that intense look. I'm like doing these glares and intense looks. And I had my posse who like looks scary too, you know? And I, I just, I think they like that intensity that I can bring, you know? But then once the camera is shut off, I'm talking to the, crew and the cast and we're just laughing and joking around you know so it's kind of that's great that's so great so let's go back to the movie real quick it yes this movie has been in the works a long time and we talked about back in 2012 with michael michael clark duncan who played in the green mile obviously john coffee had passed away he was he was uh already i guess signed on to do the movie Yes. And unfortunately right. passed away before filming began. So this yes. movie has been in the works for 10 years. Yeah, I think it had a lot of different obstacles and hiccups because that's one thing about independent movies, you know, because because you don't have a huge studio behind you that has everything already worked out. Here's the budget. Here's what we're doing. We're taking care of all the advertisement and the distribution. So it's going to go there. It's going to go there. Everything's already taken care of that. With independent, you know, it's like it's a handful of people that has to make all that happen. So I think it did have different obstacles and hoops it had to run through over the years. And and that's why it was delayed. But we're so happy that it's finally actually coming out and we get to see the light of day. Sometimes, you know, things don't even come out. You know what I mean? That's the craziest thing. It'll just end up on the floor somewhere, you know? How how long ago did you shoot your parts? So my parts were just around that time. It was uh, as one, we were one of the first opening production. So my part was in late 2012, 2013, you know, there were reshoots that were done throughout the years, um, mm-hmm. you know, to fix things up. But that's when it was from from back then. So, yeah, when when I was signed on to it, 
Michael Clark Duncan was the the huge name. I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be such an honor to work with him. And then he passed away, you know, right before production started. And we were really sad, you know, sad about mm-hmm. that. And I was, you know, pretty new to the industry at that time. And that would have been amazing, such an honor because I loved his work. It would have been such an honor to see him, you know, and yeah. and, and that was a big thing for me to be part of that too, you know, and, um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to bring up the, the Hansman brothers, the directors of this whole thing. They're absolutely amazing guys, two brothers who have a love for, you know, horror movies uh, uh, and the show a little bit of the 80s style horror stuff. I think that's what we're going to be seeing. And uh, this is they've been in the industry for a while, but this was their first debut feature film. So it was it's been such a crazy journey for all of us. You know, (laughs) is this going to be a nationwide release or a limited release? I think it is a limited release. Uh, the way they're advertising, it's going to be limited. Uh, they're going to be doing uh, on demand. I think it's going to be on demand for a month. And as far as I understand, is July 7th is when it's going to hit a lot of the streaming platforms um, nice. like Amazon Prime and Hulu and stuff. So so people will definitely get to see it. Now, it's funny because Camp X-Ray, going back to that, that was an independent film uh, also, um, you know, but it got a lot more publicity and even that was limited release. So believe it or not, when I, you know, I got to, you know, I went to the premiere, watched the whole movie and all my family and friends wanted to see it. And it took such a long time for it to finally come out of streaming and all that where people could see it. But this will be, you know, available pretty quick. So I think that's going to be awesome. Gosh, can't wait. Yeah, that's uh, we'll, we'll definitely promote the heck out of it heck once, yeah. uh, once oh, it comes thank out. Thank you. It means a people lot. People can see it. And, and it's, hey, it's one of my first ones where, you know, you get to do, yeah, I was, you know, obviously I'm playing the Taliban character, but the big draw for me was, oh my gosh, it's a monster movie, right? We grew up with predators and all that stuff. And I was like, that is so freaking exciting, you know? So I was pretty excited about that, that, oh my gosh, I get to um, have an interaction as you can see in the sneak peek with the monster. <laughs> <laughs> in the air you know once you watch it it's a it's a question mark about what happens <laughs> so. do you have anything in the works right now that you can talk about um no just negotiating i did take a little bit break um you know uh on my hometown is reno so i visit my folks a lot there but yeah i'm gonna see um as of this recording i have the premiere of this coming up and yeah, there might be some networking meetings going on. So that'll be pretty cool. So hopefully I can update on something. <laughs> I have a question for you that yes. you can answer that I, I've never been able to really answer anybody, ask anybody, but you remember the Screen Actors Guild? Yes. What does it take to be a member of the Screen Actors Guild? What, uh, what do you have to do? What's the difference between, between you and an actor who's not in the member? Yes. So So it's funny when I actually went to pursue acting, um coming out of the small town in reno i was like oh you know what i'm gonna give it a try and get out there you know i didn't know any of these things i didn't research it but yes so there's a huge difference so there's there's a lot of actors as you can imagine you know not only in la but everywhere and they they're considered non-union they're not part of the sag they're non-union now they can get a lot of work they can you know there's a lot of projects out there there's even commercials movies and stuff but they're not, um, they don't have certain benefits that the union provides. The union provides us a lot of safety, 
you know, actual contracts, the equal, you know, the better pay, they negotiate things for us. So there's a lot more to it. All of a sudden, when you become a Screen Actors Guild, a SAG actor, because you have a whole team, a legal team behind you that makes sure that you're taken care of as a talent. And it's a big deal to be that. And certain projects that are usually your mainstream projects that go to, you know, like feature films and big TV shows that are on TV, those are contracted through SAG. So you have to be a SAG actor to be part of that. Now it's uh, the journey to that in itself. It's crazy. It's it's not easy to become a SAG actor. Uh, we joke around in the industry that it's a catch twenty two. You have to have three SAG projects as a non union member to become SAG. Which, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. It's like, well, if you're not SAG, how are you going to become SAG, you know? (laughs) So uh, in my situation, I was very fortunate that right off the bat, I was able to be part of TV shows and productions that were SAG, and they took me on. And that's, I didn't even realize at that time, I've just been super blessed. Um, You know, I just, I I feel like the man upstairs was always looking out for me because I had no connections in the industry, you know, at that time. But, uh, you know, just being noticed and being brought on those certain projects, all of a sudden I had my three and I joined, you know, SAG. And then I realized it's one of those things also that you get so quick that you don't realize that, you know, oh my gosh, people try for a long time just to get that opportunity. And I was just very blessed, you know, because all of a sudden, all these doors open for me just from being SAG to be part of these other projects, you know, awesome. that were pretty big. So <laughs> that's, right. but it is, it's, it's a, it's a huge, huge honor, um, you know, to be part of SAG, you know, like there's certain things uh, I joke about it, but it's like having a trailer on set, you know, having an assistant, having people taking care of you to make sure you know, you're not overworked or something, you know, because with a non-union person, uh, I joke around, it's, you know, like a day labor, you just do whatever, you know, here's the pay and they can use you for however way they want to, you know, so, so this is, oh, cool. this is pretty cool. Right. Good for you. All right, we're going to end with this and I don't know what the answer is going to be, so it could, could just be uh, no and we're done, but <laughs> you're obviously a, a huge horror fan. You're part of the group, fan of the show. Have you ever had your own paranormal or cryptid experience? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Cryptid wise, I'm going to say I I haven't had a cryptid experience, but I want to throw it out there. I'm a big since I was a kid, I was a big fan of uh, Nessie Loch Ness. And it's still up in the air, but I still I don't know why I've always been attracted to the ocean and, you know, the mysteries of it. And I'm like, man, something's there. But as for my own paranormal experience, I, I'll, I'll tell a quick story real fast from my own military time. I served in Japan. I was actually attached to a hospital in Yakuska, Japan, at a pretty young age. But that hospital was there. It was originally, as far as I know, that base that we have as an American base, um, you know, was a Japanese base uh, during World War II. And it saw a lot of death and a lot of trauma. So I personally had, you know, I've always heard that that base is haunted. There's numerous stories. Every Halloween, when we were serving their own base, they would do ghost tours and there would be ghost stories. But I had my own personal experience of working pretty late at night, like two, three in the morning in an office in the hospital. Um, 
And when that hospital, it's not like your civilian hospital where there's hustle and bustle all through the night. It's one of those where everything shuts down, you know, and they have a couple of security guards walking the premises. But I'm working, working on some papers at that time. I was quite young. I think I was 19. And and I heard and, you know, and I used to sit in the dark because I wasn't scared and I would have my little cubicle light on and working. And I, this one night, I heard somebody banging on the door and I'm talking about bang, bang. And there's these huge metal doors. And I'm like, uh, but I wasn't scared. It startled me, but I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, here's security. Let me go talk to them saying, yeah, I'm working in here. So I walk out and it's an office in the hospital. So it's not like outdoors or something. So I walk out and there's nobody there. I'm like, what the heck was that? Sure enough, (laughs) I go back in. And I hear it again. It's not like a little tap, tap. It's like bang, bang, bang. And this time again, I'm like, somebody's playing a trick. So I run out and open the door and nobody's there. And I just left. (laughs) I left the hospital (laughs) because I wasn't working. I was just there on my own time. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's something, there's something up with this. (laughs) Um, And real fast, I wanted to bring up, um, you know, going back to the movie, talking a little bit of the cryptid thing. I don't know the writers of the the movie personally, but there was a famous lore that came out. Maybe some of the you know listeners might have made the connection if they've seen the trailer. But in 2002, they say there was an incident that happened in Afghanistan with U.S. soldiers that encountered some kind of an eight-foot-tall beast, and they had a firefight with this thing uh, in the caves out there and killed it. You know, I'm not sure if you've oh. heard of that. But but yeah. when, vaguely you know, I vaguely remember it. Don't remember the details. Out. Yeah, I'm I'm vaguely remembering it too. But I know listeners, and I'm sure in the group, people will talk about it. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. That maybe maybe there is something out there, and that's what this movie is about. You know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, if I if I remember correctly, I think the podcast bedtime stories actually did an entire episode on that. Because I, I listened to it somewhere, and I'm pretty sure they, they do a lot of military uh, oh, stories on there about. Check it out. Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. podcast. That, I, it's British, I think, but awesome. Yeah, I think they called it like the Red Giant or something like that. Yeah, it's something, something like Bigfoot-y, that. Bigfooty, you know, kind of. And I was like, our monster is maybe Sasquatch or Bigfoot. We don't know what it is yet, you know, until we see the movie. But, but yeah, it's. I just thought it was interesting that it's U.S. soldiers fighting in a cave system some monster and i was like oh okay this is this is pretty cool so i hope everybody likes it when they see it it should be it should have a lot of fun and excitement in it so something it, it for looks everybody. fantastic looks fantastic thank you, so much. Thank you. <laughs> anoop if if people want to keep an eye out for any new projects you got or any current projects you got where can they do that yeah, absolutely. You know what? Mostly if you go to IMDB and search Anoop Simon or, you know, you should be able to see it gets updated pretty quick. Um, I do have a Twitter and uh, a Facebook fan page. Uh, you know, if you look up Anoop Simon, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. And I think my links are on IMDB to these things. Um, I'm not that crazy on social media, but I always get notifications if people are connecting and I love to 
connect with people so i can always uh you know connect if somebody reaches out to me so i think that'd be kind of cool i love to talk to people too so so i can chat awesome <laughs> yeah it's been a complete honor to have you on here again thank you for your service thank you for your time overseas thank you for being a medic i mean you no you, gosh, yes. you check all the boxes mm-hmm. of people that we greatly appreciate Oh, thank you so much, guys. It was such a pleasure. I love being here with you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was an honor for us to have you on. So thank you again for taking out the time to do that. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. All right. That wraps it up for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. It was fun. And uh, obviously, a new thank you for your service again. Yes, thank you, honey. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. We appreciate it. And we're ready to see that movie. Yes, absolutely. Can't wait for it to come out. We hope you guys have a blessed week. Stay safe. We love you. And we'll talk to you guys later.